Welcome to another Good Eye Podcast. I'm Jay Smack. Today my guest is R.J. Zimmerman of the Untapped Keg Podcast. And it is an endeavor he started after embarking on his alcohol-free journey. He decided to get sober, as he says in the episode. He didn't call it sober. He just said, I'm, I'm not drinking. And it's now a lifestyle. It's a way of life. Um, or I should say a practice. Because we also talk about not identifying yourself through one thing or one practice or one aspect of your personality. He's a fascinating guy. And he has some news about starting uh, other endeavors, including a coaching business on helping people with their relationship with alcohol, whether it means none or a little bit or some or just coming to terms with it. But fascinating and very thoughtful guy. And I appreciate uh, the time he's taking to share with us. So here it is, my conversation with R.J. Zimmerman from the Untapped Podcast on the Good Eye Podcast. Welcome back to another Good Eye Podcast. I'm Jay Smack. And today my guest is RJ Zimmerman, a fellow podcaster, which I don't always get to have on this show, so it's nice. Uh, if nothing else, as an audio nerd myself, and that is my profession uh, that, that funds this, this uh, fun time I get to have with people like you, RJ, um, is that I'm an audio guy. So your mic sounds great. Everything's going to be perfect. Uh, looking forward to having you on the show, and I appreciate you making time today. It's my pleasure to be here, but uh, I'm going to knock on wood with the everything's going to be perfect thing because I know exactly what happens when a uh, sentence like that is said when it comes to the audio. But yeah, it is yep. it is awesome when you talk with people who uh, have a podcast of their own or have done some research because um, it makes the work a lot easier. It does. That's right. Uh, that That's the number one rule of recording. Put a good performance in front of good mics and that's 90% of it. You know? That, um, yeah, <laughs> that would be, I, I'm sure. Um, cool, man. Let's get into it. The reason RJ is here talking today is because as I mentioned, he has his own podcast. So let's, uh, start with that. Uh, on untapped keg is the name of your podcast. You are a person in sobriety in, in recovery, I guess you'd call it recovery is sort of across the board. And you made that decision a number of years ago. I think you said seven. Is that right? Seven years ago? Um, it's over nine years nine. now okay. when the podcast started, it was like just about, it was just over six. So cool. Awesome. Uh, well, this podcast is about just about anything we want it to be, but health and wellness are a big part of it. So I wanted to get your perspective. And also, let's start there. We were both in a meeting yesterday, a networking meeting uh, through Synapse. And I talked to a lot of people associated with Synapse just be primarily because of the mindset, which is something else I'd like to talk about. But we were talking to Mike Ship from Athletic Brewing. Um, so why don't you, if you don't mind, First, talk about your background, how you came to uh, discover your sobriety and thereby this podcast at some point. And then we'll talk about things like, you know, I I'm curious if you consume near beers or non-alcoholic beers. Sometimes some people don't want to go near that. You know, it's too, a little bit too close to the flame. And I asked Mike about that yesterday, but We'll get into all that. I just kind of wanted to send a set of foundation. So why don't you start with your background, how you found um, your sober journey 
and the podcast. Let's start there. Yeah. So for me, I grew growing up, um, I grew up in Wisconsin and anybody who doesn't know Wisconsin drinks the most alcohol in the United States and it's not close. So every single year they have a study of the 50 drunkest counties in the United States of America. And Wisconsin has never had less than 40 out of 50 in the United States of America. Last year was 43. This year's 40. So it's ingrained in the culture in a way that's just different. And my dad, uh, who's from Iowa, moved to Wisconsin for work. Um, he actually quit drinking when I was seven or eight years old. So I grew up knowing that there was problems in my family um, and my dad just quit. So he didn't do any program or anything. And he still drank uh, O'Doul's for, I don't even remember a time where he didn't. So I grew up knowing that that was going to be the case. And then I would go to college. That was really when my drinking took a turn. I really didn't drink in high school till I was 18, actually. And I would drink and it would shut my brain off. And that was incredible. It wasn't the buzz that I was looking for. It wasn't, it was just shutting my brain up. And I would drink until I blacked out. And I was never able to turn that around into just being able to moderate. There were nights that I could, but the last two or three years that I drank, I blacked out every single night that I drank. And I like to make the joke that I didn't drink often, but when I did, I drank all of it. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that, so that led me to look at where I was in my life, figure that at some point I was going to have to quit drinking because it's in my family. And, um, I'm 25, have no, no idea where I'm going in life. No rudder working for minimum wage, uh, can't pay my bills, can't buy my girlfriend a Christmas present. And I'm like, something's got to change. So the first thing was I went to line school, which is to be high voltage line tech, work on power lines. That's what my dad did. And while I was there, I realized that I'm going to have to quit drinking. And in line school, which is a one-year program, um, I drank three times. The last time that I drank was actually six months after graduation, wasn't in my career, still had no idea where I was going, wanted to start a family, knew that there was no way I was going to start a family um, drinking the way that I am. And it was around Christmas time, went back to my hometown with my two friends that I planned to drink around basically. Uh, that last year, if I was drinking, it was with them. And I got so drunk. I don't remember the night at all. I couldn't hold anything down till midnight the next day. And I was supposed to go to something with my girlfriend in the morning. And I, it, it was three hours away. And I texted her. I said, I'm not going to make it. And she's like, I figured it's not a big deal. I didn't plan on you being there. And that's when I was like, this is it. That was it. And I never looked back. And luckily I'm a stubborn asshole and that's how I got sober. And if it wasn't for being so stubborn, there were multiple times I could have given in, but I've just like, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to decided. I'm not going to. And working through that, I started my career. Um, but 
listening to a podcast by Chris Hardwick called Nerdist, he would talk about being sober sometimes with the guests. And when he did, I would not feel alone. And that made me feel really good. And they would talk about AA, but just AA wasn't for me. I wasn't interested in it. I did go to a meeting before I got sober, but um, I'm just, I wasn't into the feelings and any of it. Right. And especially the religious aspect, to be honest. And I just, I basically in Wisconsin, you have to come to terms with going to a bar or being around people who are drunk and you're not drinking. If you can't do that, you're not going to succeed. And I would say about four or five months in, I went to a Brewers game with those two friends that I would drink with. And one of my friends was telling me to come on, stop being so dramatic. You can have a beer with me and that's all you can. That's all you'll have. And my other friend stepped in and said, he said, no. So if you want us to just leave, we can leave. And at that moment, them having my friend, having my back like that, that was what cemented in that. This is, this is it. This is the, I'm not going to drink again. And so it's been over nine years later, I have two kids and, uh, who are five and three, and I'm just, uh, trying to share through the podcast, uh, that you're not alone. And the podcast started with my brother-in-law who's also sober and we would go golfing and have these incredible, incredibly deep conversations and I realized like we should be recording these and putting them out as a podcast because these are gold. Like people need to hear these, the things we talk about, our struggles and our triumphs, right? Um, and so I would say um, three, four months later, we finally started a podcast. We recorded three episodes right after the third episode, the pandemic hit. And so it was like, it was a really good time to start a podcast because mm -hmm. you needed something to do. Gave us time to just talk and vent. Um, but the podcast turned into mental health because we realized that you cannot talk about sobriety or recovery or being alcohol free or not drinking without talking about mental health and how the two are so interconnected and when you hear somebody talk, I have a really good friend who talks about his journey with really severe depression. And his talk about his journey with depression is so similar to stories you hear about people's journey with alcohol, getting to alcohol free. It's unreal. It's uncanny. And that's when you realize where we always thought that alcohol was the cause and was like a checkbox. If you fix that, you'll fix a lot. But really, it's the symptom. And coming to understand that it's a symptom that opens up the possibilities and that helps you to move from a mindset of just surviving in life and just surviving in your sobriety, your recovery, whatever verbiage you want to use and you move to thriving and you can move to one day at a time. Sometimes it is, sometimes that's what it is, but you move really from one day at a time to what can I do today? to have fun. What can I do today to bring a smile to my face? And that's it. Just that change in mindset of 
I just need to get through today to get to tomorrow. Two, what can I do today to bring a smile to my face is the difference between surviving and thriving in life. Um, a lot to unpack there. Who, who got sober first, you or your brother? Uh, me. Uh, so he did it maybe inspired by you? No, he, we had totally different circumstances. Okay. So I just curious, I went sober to, yeah, I went sober to start a family. That was the, that was the reason why I started. Eventually it turned into, it was for me. Um, he went sober because he was in trouble with the law and had to, and then he just continued it. So, um, we've helped one another with each other, but yeah, that's, that's the reason that he started. Well, you mentioned depression and its relationship with drinking and the fact that, um, drinking is actually a symptom. Um, to me, and we're not dispensing any health advice or any, anything. We're just kind of talking about our own experiences and I do drink. I should make that clear. Um, I, I like beer. I like the occasional bourbon, but I'm, I like it with the understanding that I'm afraid of it a little bit. You know, I give it great. I give it a wide berth and I keep it in the light, you know? Um, and the, some similarities that strike me as far as depression and drinking is the, the nature of the cycle, you know, with drinking maybe one night. And, and I say that, you know, that I do drink with this in mind every now and then that next day, you're like, that was too much. And then you start feeling bad about it. Why did I do that? Um, and then you start trying to feel better. So there's three, four, maybe more hours in the day where you don't have yourself back because of this. And, and that's the hard part, finding that line for you and knowing, okay, that's two beers. I'm done. You know, I got, I got a big day tomorrow. That, and that line can slide for anybody. Um, so the nature of the cycle, I think, makes a lot of sense in breaking that cycle. Uh, and you mentioned, how can I make myself happy today? Sometimes you're not happy, you know, and talk about that a little bit, how the down moments can be the most challenging because we all have those, whether work sucks or something's happening in your life or maybe some family or, or spousal or child issues or something like that. And just the ability to say, this really sucks right now, but in 12 hours, I know that these things are cyclical and that it will also to, it, it will also ebb. You can't really grasp that. And, and I'm again, speaking as an outsider, but who has a uh, substance use disorder in my family. Uh, we lost my brother-in-law to it. My father-in-law's in recovery. My brother is in, in recovery. And the hardest thing for me to do was admit that I couldn't save anybody. You know, I couldn't get sober for them. I could only be there walking next to them, telling them that they are strong and they can handle this, not to get in front of them and try to do it for them. Uh, Maybe talk about that a little bit, what you do in those down moments, maybe what you turn to, what you tell yourself, because now I'm sort of transitioning into this mindset heading, and I want to get into your latest episode with Mindset by Dave and and find out a little bit about that as well. So um, I'll hand it back over to you. That was a long, long kind of diatribe by me, but during the down moments. And it's really important. And that's something that I really appreciate, you know, thoughtful conversations like this and your perspective as well, how you have been affected by it at such a personal level. Right. Um, And that is, you mentioned that you can't get sober for somebody and you can't, 
do the work, right? Um, a really hard thing for people to also hear, especially if it's your loved one, is you can't be the reason that somebody gets sober either. You can't be the reason that somebody gets healthy and grows. That's where the mental health aspect is the same. Like it's just, or not the same, but it's, it overlaps so much, right? Where it can start for another reason, but if it never comes back to for that person, they need to go sober to be their best self. It's not going to, it's not even not going to last. It's, going to come back in a way that is going to be even more destructive more than likely. So when you make these decisions, it has to be for yourself eventually. I think a lot of us make big changes in our life for other reasons, for other people. But if we don't bring it back to ourselves, it's just, it's eventually we're not going to, we're going to stop. We're going to go back to what we did before and we might double down on it. Right. And that's really difficult. And I've seen that also in my personal life where I would wonder why I wasn't enough for somebody to change or be there for me. Um, And uh, as somebody who for 35 years numbed themselves with in their feelings and emotions, because that's how I was raised. Um, I was raised that anger is the only emotion that you're allowed to show. Can't show joy, can't show sadness, can't show your hurt at all. You can show anger and that's it. And so I had a big anger issue growing up and then I didn't like the anger issue. So I pushed that down. Now, all I showed was this stoic neutral and that's all that I felt, but inside was a raging storm. So when I started to examine my emotions and the reason that I, this part of my mindset had to occur, A, the podcast really helped with that, hearing other people's stories, being able to relate to them and say, I wonder if that piece might work for me. I want to try it. Um, But my wife asked to get a divorce um, about six months after my youngest son was born. And it just devastated me because I never saw it coming. And um, I asked her to give me a year. So I got diagnosed with ADHD at 33. It was severely affecting my life because I was under such stress that I couldn't remember basic functions at work. And I'm, I'm a foreman of a line crew at this point. So I'm running a crew of people working on high voltage utility lines. I can't remember things that I learned the first week on my job. That's a problem. I missed doctor appointments, not because I wasn't on the way in because I didn't know about it, but because I didn't, I couldn't judge the time that it was happening. And so I went in and got diagnosed with it. That was a huge help. But really learning that this storm that's inside of me is because I'm pushing my emotions away and I'm not feeling anything. And that's a long journey. That's three years of me looking inside myself and examining things and trying to see what works and what doesn't. And understanding that you have highs and you have lows. And if you ignore the lows, you're not going to have the highs either. Everything comes down to that, to that middle. And 
really, um, you can tell somebody in that low, low that don't worry, you know, you'll get through it and not just that, but you'll experience joy on the other side of it. Nobody's going to believe you and you're probably going to get punched in the face, right? Why would you tell somebody that? Um, But this is where what we're understanding about addiction, substance use, these toxic coping mechanisms where we escape from life in, that what we're really searching for is connection. And when we feel disconnected, that's when we go and we do these, and by we, I mean humans, go and we find something that helps us to disappear from this life. And that doesn't mean that it's always bad, but when it starts to affect your life and affect other people, that's when it gets bad. So understanding that what you're searching for is connection, whether it's connection to yourself or connection to somebody else that can help you in those low times. But you also have to understand what helps to bring you back to the present moment. Are you thinking about something in the future that is a possibility, but you don't know what's going to happen? Are you thinking about something from the past that you did that you wish you could take back, but you can't? What are you doing in the right here and right now so that you can be here? Go for a walk, change your environment. If you even just look outside at a window, you know, there's make, stop and make something to eat, stop and get something to drink. There's things you can do to upset your cycle that's going on in your mind. And when you do that, it gives you moments that you can just realize where you are and take a few deep breaths. And I know all of this sounds like cliche, but it really does work. And I am in the midst of a divorce. I do not want this divorce. I numb myself to the fact that I wanted this divorce. She wanted it. I wanted to give it to her. And I realized that that's not what I wanted. And it, it has been the most painful, emotionally painful experience of my life. And I did it and I don't want to tell people that this is the way to do it, but I got through it alone because I've felt alone my entire life. The reason that I felt alone my entire life was because I was disconnected from myself and realizing that I need to be alone so that I could be with other people has, it has helped me find myself in a way that I've never known myself. It's allowed me to find coping skills that I would have laughed it, laughed it off and thought there's no possible way that that could happen for me because I'm not interested in that. And it's created this willingness to be wrong, which is a superpower. If you're willing to be wrong, that you're doing a bunch of things that aren't working for you, so let's try something different and see if it works. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to go back to doing the things that may not be great for you. So now all of a sudden, well, I wonder if this will work for me. I wonder if I'd enjoy yoga. I wonder if I like Tai Chi. Like, and those two things I started doing in this past year. And it has helped me to transform my mind-body connection and helped me to be someone who can have an internal dialogue that is a lot healthier 
and a lot more beneficial to myself. That doesn't mean I look in the mirror and say, I love myself because I don't, I don't yet, but I can look in the mirror and just shrug and say, you're okay. That's a ways from where I was. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's hard for anyone to say they love themselves or acknowledge, you know, you're, you're doing all right because we're our own harshest critics. And when you talk about connection, you know, connection is everything. And especially connection with yourself and really having those conversations with yourself, whatever it is. I'm not even talking about substance abuse at this point. It's whatever it is and what you're centered around, even the self. If you're centered around only yourself, you're neglecting something else, but you can be centered around spouse. You can be centered around work. You can be centered around validation and approval. And so you're not addressing the work you have to do on yourself and understanding your models, you know, what, what trained you to be how you are. Um, accountability is super important, but we also have influences that we bring in. It's like watching one type of news, just revalidating what you already believe. And if they start saying something you don't believe, you find a new source that is, is aligns with what you do believe. Um, but I'm curious I like how you you're talking about mental health. You're hardly even talking about sobriety, um, which I think is super important because sobriety is just one thing that you come to terms with within yourself when you're doing the work. Um, And you're focusing on mental health and not demonizing alcohol use because it's different for all of us. I mean, it's it can be body chemistry. It can be mental health, can be brain chemistry. Um how do you find, or I shouldn't, let me rephrase that. How much a focus of your day-to-day living is on sobriety and remain remaining sober and in control of yourself and in connection with yourself? Um, and I'm thinking of people who may be kicking the tires, sober curious, going, I don't have a problem. It's fine. I'll just have two beers. I'll just have three beers. But of course, that maybe that's every night. And maybe five beers on the weekend or something. And I'm just throwing out numbers. I don't like, I don't like numbers. I'm just kind of giving some perspective. Um, but what, what do you say to, to either people who are kicking the tires on sobriety or also people who are saying the thing that bugs me about people who are sober is it's all they talk about. You know, I wish they'd, I wish they'd just be, I don't care if they drink or not, just come in and hang out with our friends. If I'm having a beer, you're not, that's no big deal. So those two different those two different groups, because um, because there's way more people who are maybe being led around the nose by something outside themselves, whether it's alcohol or workaholism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, way more of those people than there are people who have done that work and address their demons and see them in the mirror every day and know they're there, but say, "I'm not going to let you sneak up on me." So anyway, I'll again I talk for a while and then I let you take the floor. well again you've raised such a amazing point so for me i've never espoused sobriety like uh when i i would say the first three years i just told people i didn't drink i didn't use sober till uh probably three and a half years and then um and that's something my dad my dad still says i just don't drink um so whatever vernacular works for you, please use. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was probably a year, year and a half 
being, like I said, in Wisconsin, the good restaurants are bars. So if you're going to go out and eat, you got to go to a bar. You got to go to a place where people are drinking. And so it, it got me to a point where I just, I knew I was ordering a Mountain Dew. I knew I was getting um, a water, you know, a soda, something. And I would just be, and there's a certain point in the night where I wouldn't even say goodbye to anybody. I'd just ghost and leave. And the reason is like, when you're sober and everybody else is drunk, they're annoying. Mm. Oh my God, do they get annoying, right? And then if you go try to go, oh, we're having fun. Like, yeah, you are having fun. Call me if you need a ride. Like, uh, that's really where it ended up getting to. So the first few times that you go out after you stop drinking, have a plan. I'm going to drink this. Somebody asked me, this is the reason that I'm giving. I'm the designated driver. I'm taking the night off because I got something important in the morning. I, you know, whatever it is, you don't have to tell people that you're not drinking or going sober. If you, there's different ways that you can talk about it and not have to go into why, right? And also, if somebody's really pushing you or you're feeling like you really need to have a drink, just leave. Get yourself out of that situation. Um, I've had a few people reach out to me and I've given this advice. They've been going to sporting events, let's say a Packer game, Brewer game, or a Bucks game. And I'd tell them, you don't have to leave the game. Just walk around the stadium for a little bit and you'll see food and you'll see the different sites. You won't just smell the beer. You won't just see people drinking it and how it looks. And that gets your mind onto something else. And when you start to realize that you can take your mind and put it onto something else, then you can start to do that in your everyday life. And where it moved for me from having to be a conscious choice to not being a big deal was my friend's acceptance of it. Like, like I said earlier, like when my friend stepped up for me, that cemented it. Um, the people that I was putting myself around, they were just like, Oh, RJ's driving and uh, he wants a Mountain Dew. And like, they'd buy my drinks. They'd buy my dinner most nights. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, from there, it's just trying to realize what works for you when you have a craving because they do happen. Um, the, the actual like biggest, like hardest craving I dealt with was over eight years sober. So last year, because I realized that I was about to be single for the first time in 13 years and I'd never been single and not drinking. How do you meet people? And I was in a hotel room for training for work. And I'm like, I could make some decisions tonight and nobody would know. Right. But that's just me being scared that I don't know what the future looks like. So if I don't know what the future looks like, how can I say that I have to drink in order to make it happen? And when you realize that, like, like I said, you could take these things that you learn, these one day at a time, because sometimes it is going to get down to one day at a time. Sometimes it's going to get down to one moment, one second, just get to, you know, whatever it is that you need to get to and then move from there. And that is really an understanding of that, that it will get to a point where you are not just focused on this one thing that really does help. And it, when you start to see the world too, in high definition, um, I call it the screen door effect. Like you look out 
and you can see the world and you can, you know, what's going on. You can see, but there's like this film. And as you uh, get further into your sobriety and that screen starts to lift and you all of a sudden you see things that with the detail that you couldn't see before, it is magical and it makes you realize, Oh, I really didn't need that. And it actually made me a little jaded that things in this life um, were not as, they weren't as fun to be around because I thought that I had to be around alcohol. Um, And that's, that is very liberating when that happens. So um, those, I, I would say that like those things, they happen quicker than you realize. And when you, instead of saying like, I need to stop drinking or I don't have a problem or um, there's something like, how am I going to have fun without doing this? Why not try, right? Let's, let's do the, well, why don't I just try this one event and I won't drink at it and see how it goes. And you'll ease yourself into it. You'll be nervous for most of it. And then all of a sudden you'll start to get into it and you'll realize that you're having fun. Yeah. And just do that one time, see what happens, right? What do you have to lose? And there's so many alternative to drink out there now that is, uh, when I started, it was just, it was just, uh, O'Doul's mm-hmm. and usually it was old and skunky and was not great, but there's so many different alternatives for whatever you like to drink that, uh, that you can find something that isn't just juice or water to drink too. That's an, yeah, that's an interesting point about the dusty O'Doul's they bring out from the storeroom. Um, I like to take breaks, you know, whether it's a month, six months, but the sober January or whatever dry January thing. And for the first time at uh, a local place, I ordered an athletic and they were out because other people were doing dry January as well. And I was like, well, that's mm-hmm. cool. That's cool. Yeah. But, you know, but that said, do you still have an O'Doul's or an athletic or something like that? Or is it not even a, a thing anymore? Or how, how do you look at that? Yeah. So I hadn't, I would drink O'Doul's every once in a while when I first got sober because I never, um, I never honestly thought that there was a big deal in it. Right. And then I started the podcast, started to get around that mentality that, um, or hear from people that if it's any alcohol at all, you're not sober anymore. Right. And things like that. But, um, back in November, December, you know, started to realize like, that's, that's other people's expectation. That's not me and myself. And so I had an IPA, um, from best day brewing out of California. And, uh, I was like, this is exactly what I remember when I used to drink. Cause I was a craft beer drinker. I love the taste of beer and I liked some cocktails, but like, I love the taste of a craft beer. And I was like, this is it. So now I'll drink an IPA. I just had, um, their citrus wheat from athletic brewing last week. It was really good. Um, and it's great to have, especially with a meal that you wouldn't necessarily know what to drink, uh, something with it. And you have to do what works for you. Mm-hmm. And when you start to do the research into alcohol content, you'll realize that most juices have more alcohol content than a near beer. 
that grape juice has quite a bit of alcohol content than what we realize. And that's kind of the alternative for wines, right? And when you start to realize that, it makes it a lot easier to realize that what other people are doing doesn't equal what you have to do. You have to make it your own. And if that looks like having some spiritless gin, which they have, which tastes delicious, and I was not a gin drinker, um, or like they do have spiritless bourbons, which is they're uh, non-alcoholic gins, bourbons, rums, tequila, they have all of that. And you can make some really awesome drinks with those that aren't necessarily juices that, um, you know, they're just, they're great. They're, I couldn't believe how good they are. What, um, what health differences have you seen in yourself? Um, physical. Yeah. I mean, I've always been able to, uh, drop weight somewhat, I would say easily be when I would quit drinking soda. But what I've noticed, especially compared to my peers, um, in the, I would say the past like two or three years is my ability to learn new things Mm. is a little bit quicker. And I don't know if that's me, if that's, um, being, you know, just not having the alcohol around and that kind of slowing things down, but it's also, uh, my memory is much better now and I feel at 36 younger than I felt at 26 because I don't have the inflammation (laughs) Mm -hmm. that drinking can bring that, uh, that some other people have. And it just, my energy level for sure is much higher, uh, than my friends, especially, you know, the next day after drinking Mm -hmm. without those hangovers. But, um, and I have been my, I've been less sick um, since I quit drinking than I was before where I would catch the flu, I would catch, you know, bugs that I would keep for a long time. Like I haven't caught that in years. Um, so there's the clear mindedness as well, being able to look at things and being creative. Um, a lot of that you can keep and go with, uh, when you quit drinking. So, yeah. And a lot of that, I think also directly ties back to energy um, and not in a flighty sense, but there's a finite amount of energy in the universe. And if your body's busy fighting inflammation and, and viruses and bugs, and sometimes it's not able to keep them at bay if it's having to worry about, you know, connecting synapses in the brain or keeping circulation going or slowing a, a heart with high, high blood pressure. Um, I did mention uh, Mindset by Dave, and you mentioned your words, because I wrote it down, that you are a stubborn asshole. Uh, yep. Dave also said he liked proving people wrong. You think that, <laughs> think that, um, and I like that. I like self-induced suffering, things like the Wim Hof method, where you do the ice bath and the breathing techniques, because it's a feeling of accomplishment. You're like, my God, I just did the polar plunge. You know, I can, I can do anything. How, do you think uh, that mindset helped you? It sounds like you just decided to stop drinking and not that, and not that was that it was easy, super easy. It's a constant journey, but sadly some people never get there who need to get there. They, they just can't get past it because it's such, 
an obstacle and it's controlling them and maybe they don't have the will just to prove everybody wrong, maybe even prove themselves wrong. How much is mindset aside from just simple mental health, you know, um, you saying I'm going to do this and nothing's going to talk me out of it. How important is that versus, I don't know, so many tools or psychological tools that, that people have now to lean on. Yeah. And that's something I didn't have the psychological tools when I started, I didn't think there was anything that I needed to work on. Like I was starting my career. I was, you know, successful in a lot of other people's lives or eyes. Right. Um, but that really, that mindset that I wanted to prove people wrong. Yeah. That was something that I still carry. Like I have, if you tell me I can't do something, I will say, okay, and watch me be better than you at it. <laughs> and that has been a lot of what I've done in my life without even realizing it. Um, what I've taken with my self-awareness with this mindfulness is instead of doing that because somebody tells me that I can't, I do it to show myself that I can. So there's, and I've gone further than I have just getting to the point of proving somebody wrong and proving them wrong because I'm doing it better than they did. Right. I do. I actually go further than that because there's not a finite limit where I just stop myself. Um, so that's something that you can get to, but often when we make change, it is somebody else is involved. Something else is involved. You have to get that sense of accomplishment, you know, going out to a restaurant and not drinking. That's an accomplishment. Give yourself props. Can you give yourself props for doing something small? And have you ever tried it? Because you're right. We are our biggest critic. I was my biggest critic. Um, you know, I was, I hated myself so much. Didn't realize it. Every decision I made throughout my entire life was from a mindset of hating myself. And the only reason that I caught it was because my kids came home one day and they said, daddy, I missed you. I love you. And they ran up and gave me a hug. And my thought that I caught was, how could you love such a piece of shit? Mm. And I started to hold that to my kids, like being somewhat mad. Like, how could they love me? You're judging them for loving and, you. And yeah. And I, the, when I, that happened, I'm like, what was that? And then when I would get out of the shower and look in the mirror after that point, I noticed that when I looked at myself in the mirror, there was a slight recoil ever so imperceptible, but now I noticed it. And so that's how much I didn't like myself. And when I started looking at everything else, I could never take a compliment. I always had these goals that I wanted to get to and I would get to them and then I would not feel anything. I'd almost feel ashamed because of course I'm here. I'm supposed to be here. Um, so realizing that, and now it's just a, a matter of, like I said, looking in the mirror and being like, you're okay saying it out loud, doing small things like that, giving yourself props, even if you don't believe it, because you're not going to believe it at first, eventually you'll start to see. And then you'll realize that I can take what I'm doing in life and raise it to another level if I want to. If you don't want to, that's okay too. But you're doing it because it's something that you want to do and not something that you feel somebody else wants you to do. And giving yourself the reward for it. So if you need to prove somebody wrong, go do it. Prove somebody wrong. 
I mean, I do it every day. I just also happen to want to do other, like do it for me as well and try to see how far I can go with something. Um, that we'll use that as a, the self-loathing uh, as a, as a uh, jumping off point. How much work did it take, if any, uh, to jump into the podcast? Because often we carry this self-loathing with us and alcohol just makes it worse. And you spin yeah. farther down and down and you try to numb that self-loathing. Well, a lot of us have these vulnerability issues, myself included. It's always, I always get a little bit nervous before doing a podcast, even though I was in broadcasting and I'm a voice actor now and spend some time in, in the public. But there's always that, that doubt, you know, am I going to sound stupid? Are people going to judge me? But you have to move forward. Uh, you have to not put that out of your mind, but at least walk past it. Um, how was starting a podcast coming into your journey without alcohol? How was it hard? And did you have to do work on it? Or was it exciting? I'm, I'm curious about reconciling reconciling that self-loathing that we all have that's made worse by alcohol and then the spotlight of you know a podcaster being in the media in some form um that is the reason why i couldn't start one alone that is the reason why i started one with my brother-in-law and at the start if i talked too much or if i felt like i talked too much i would be really hard on myself um i've always been able to open up with strangers so Knowing that there might be somebody on the other side listening, it, that wasn't as big of a deal to me. Um, realizing it could be my wife, it could be uh, my parents, like that brought a lot of fear with the vulnerability. Um, but as we would go, it would turn into a conversation, just like, you know, really what we're having right now. And I love that in podcasts when it was conversational, where you weren't sure exactly where things were going to go. You could have these epiphanies. And it wasn't during that I would feel it. It was like a couple of days after where it would come up. Like, why am I talking about that? Hmm. What, what do I know? Who yeah. am I? Um, and going back to the podcast with Mindset by Dave, who is absolutely wonderful. He's from the UK. He's a Twitch streamer. Um, the way that he breaks things down and he talks about things is such an attainable and understandable level. He called himself a lived experience educator. That's just brilliant yeah. because that really is the essence of what we do. We're sharing our experience so that somebody else will know either they're not alone, take something new that they learned and maybe apply it to their life. But about, I would say a year, year and a half ago, I started doing videos every day that I would post to social media that are pretty vulnerable and um, absolutely um, difficult to post. Uh, some of it gets, I don't hold much back in those videos because I want people to understand the journey that I'm on. It's not just good things. It's actually very few good things that I share um, because it's just stuff that I'm working on. And turns out there's a lot, but I have a lot more good days than I do bad now. And that was not the case too long ago. Um, but as you do it more and you start to hear from people that I'm going through that too, but I didn't realize I was because I didn't have the words for it or 
I just started um, to not drink and I didn't think I could do it, but listening to your podcast made it seem attainable. And when you hear that, you only need to hear one every once in a great while. And you realize that all of this, all of the fear and anxiety is worth it. And who are you? Just a person sharing your lived experiences. You don't have to know everything. And I may, I try to make sure that I let people know, like, this is what worked for me. Somebody's going to share what worked for them. Maybe none of it's going to work for you because you are you. And that's where it starts. You're so right about just putting it out there. And I will name somebody by name, first name only. His name's Andrew. And he contacted me after a recent uh, podcast. And I, he doesn't live in this, in, our, in the same town as me anymore. Um, and I'd forgotten, kind of forgotten he was out there because he's a friend of mine. I know him through music. And he reached out and said, great episode. Always love when a new episode comes out. Keep it up. And I'm like, oh, my God, that meant the world to me because yeah. I forgot. And you don't get many of those. And I'm my point is to say that that's why this podcast was born. I think it was 2016, 2017 originally. And then it went through a relaunch. I had to rename it. That That's another story. But it was because the world had become a raging dumpster fire of comments section when it came to dialogue. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just want to put some co positive conversations out there. That's, you know, they say, use your powers for good. So that's all it was. And you're right. When you put it out there and you get a little bit of feedback kind of from anywhere, um, I say craving validation or I said earlier, I intimated earlier that craving validation is not a good thing, not a healthy thing. But when it happens, man, is it a boost, <laughs> you know, not yeah. just not just validation like you're a good person, but I've reached somebody. Somebody's thinking the same way I am. So I appreciate your thoughts. Um, I also know we've been going for almost an hour. How are you on time? I'm good. So I don't have anything until 3.30. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to take you that long, but I wanted to throw a couple things out. And yeah, it's specifically thoughts on uh, some of your episode titles. I uh, went through the episode titles um, for ones I couldn't listen to before we had the conversation, but they pretty much uh, summed up questions I had. So let me throw the first one out there and you could just give me your thoughts on you know, during a, a journey without alcohol and this self-exploration, which is easily half, if not more of it, you know, coming to understand yourself. So the first one is one of your episodes, building a community. Yeah. Talk about that after alcohol with people who still use alcohol. We touched on it a little bit, but building a community that stood out to me. That's something that I have set out to do um, at the start of the podcast was not necessarily people being there every single week or like, you know, they're your best friends in, in your life, but trying to have people understand like you're not alone. You don't have to do things a certain way that you don't want to. And we can just try and help prop each other up. And that's been a real journey too, to try to, to try to understand how to do that, um, maintain doing that. And, um, Get people to understand, like, I'm not doing this with ill intent. I'm not doing this for attention. I'm not doing this to um, try and, you know, get you, like you said, demonize alcohol and get you to stop. Like, if you have a healthy relationship with alcohol, do it. Like, that's great. Just don't 
ask somebody why they don't drink because that is very hard and uncomfortable for people. And try not to push onto people uh, your views around alcohol, right? Just let people be what, what they want to drink. Like, that's it. And it's turned into talking with other people um, who have been around uh, building their own communities and how do you get people to understand kind of what you're doing? Um, and I moved from Wisconsin to Virginia and I had no friends. So how do you meet friends? Uh, well, a lot of the places where I meet friends was something that involved drinking alcohol. So next thing you know, I look around and I'm like, I don't like doing any of these events. Why am I still doing this? So I started a meetup group called Alcohol Free and Free because I didn't want to make it about sobriety. I didn't want to um, make it an AA meeting or something like that. I just wanted to make events that weren't revolving around alcohol. And it was really incredible because I posted it. And within two weeks, three weeks, like 30 people signed up. And the first one was just that Coalescence Coffee Shop in Norfolk. And 12 people showed up. And one of the people there, I became really good friends with. Um, and then the second one was at Cafe Stella. And we just do it on Saturday mornings. Um, starting to do more, but it started with just once a month. And a person that I had met online on Twitter came and her and the person from the first one who became good friends with me, they hit it off and became really good friends. And next thing you know, it's like, we're doing these half the people, maybe more. They don't, they don't define themselves as sober. They don't say they don't drink anymore. They just want events that don't revolve around alcohol. They just want something to go to meet people where they don't, they don't have to order something and then stand off to the side. Um, and so like we saw a need that these events could really grow into something that you could offer these really great beer, these really great um, mocktail options and people would want to be there, um, bring their family to like selfishly. I want to build something that I can bring my kids to. And that started us to build this local community with that connection that we talked about earlier, where you can have some deeper connections because there's not something that makes you loosey goosey and maybe say something that you regret. Like you can stay within yourself and really have conversations where you can think deeply. And um, it's really been great about, I would say 10 to 12 people we have that are pretty regular at the events and they just seem to be growing. And it's uh, so we started a company called Free Life where we're doing events around the Hampton Roads area. And we're going to venture out and um, we have a business networking event that's coming up that is at 5 to 7.30 p.m. Generally a time where you'd see people drinking and probably afterwards going out to the bars. But it's going to be all alcohol-free uh, drinks. And that's what we just want to provide is to try to provide places where people who traditionally have felt isolated can go and not have to worry about people pushing things onto them. Very, very cool. I like the sound of that. Um, because often 
you connect with people in drinking establishments around drinking. You know, what's your yes. favorite beer? What's your favorite drink? How many drinks have you had? Oh boy, I'm feeling good. And then everybody's lubricated and it's all downhill from there. Um, you sort of referenced the next one and the next subject slash episode title. And this struck a struck a, a nerve because I, ha- I had commented to my wife about her brother uh, several times. He, he, he really needs to make sobriety his life in that I just meant maybe become a counselor or speak to schools because he would um, he would compulsively use whatever he could get his hands on. And by that, I mean, alcohol, pills, food, gambling, you know, anything. So uh, and the question slash episode title, which you sort of referenced, is starting a business around sobriety. Talk to, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's not something I ever thought I would do. Right. Even though I st- started this podcast around sobriety. Um, it was something that I thought would pigeonhole me and I thought would, um, be narrow in focus. And I want to help people not feel alone, but I didn't see how you could start a business and how it would work. And, um, my friend Jill, who's on that episode, she started her podcast same reason I did and she started it at science-based so she's a um, biologist by trade and is really good at researching so she finds these the reasons scientifically that alcohol affects you and she ended up starting a podcast network around sobriety where it's um, all the shows that she has are around sobriety and it's it's really great like the width and the depth that's there around sobriety shows, but, um, just understanding that you can have this idea of something pigeonholing you, or, um, let's even say I, this episode, you know, you mentioned, I didn't really talk too much about sobriety. It was a lot about mindset. Um, I thought at the start that if I just talked about sobriety, I was going to get bored. And then when I started to realize how much mental health played into it and my journey with mental health walked hand in hand with my sobriety and how that's really changed. Um, I didn't want to just get preachy and become the person that says you have to go sober. Alcohol is bad for you. You know, be, be the vegan, uh, in the around alcohol, right? Like that's not what I wanted. And not, you know, I'm just playing with the people who tell you you're a bad person cause you're not vegan. Like, there's those sober people. I mean, there's a, those people and everything, but um, starting this business around it, it's really made me excited to look at the way that I can take it and incorporate it into everyday life in ways that people don't even realize that that's what I'm doing. And so I'm not going to take my views and just place them on you. I'm going to say, Hey, do you want to see something kind of cool? Why don't you follow me? And, uh, you know, we'll see how this sunset looks. How's this sunrise look? And then go from there. And it, that's really, um, that's really where that started. And, uh, I was, I was really excited to have Jill on too, because she's really, really great at, um, what she does, especially promoting on Instagram. And, um, she's such a nice person. So that's cool. What you're describing, um, is taking care of your circle of influences ver- influence versus your circle of control. 
and they say if you can take care of yourself and what you can directly influence your circle of influence will grow and eventually overtake your circle of control and you can con you can control outcomes or at least contribute by being the best you you can be and that's sort of leading by example um cool i want to go ahead and bring the plane in for a landing here soon but i do want to get your perspective if you have one if you don't feel free to say i'm not going near that but the notion of say california sober people who have quit drinking um but still imbibe in other substances like maybe weed or cbd uh, now i don't you know we're not going to even get into psychedelics or or the harder stuff which doesn't really when i say the harder stuff you know stuff like cocaine and heroin that's completely off the table i'm talking now that um Marijuana is being flirted with becoming legal in many, many states, or at least uh, now that they've embraced the notion that you can make a lot of money off it and do a lot of good with it. Do you have thoughts on that, on substances, um, making choices? I mean, I, I kind of can guess where you come down. It's where a lot of people do. It's like, look, if you're responsible with it and you have not control, it's your body. But I just want to throw that out there and get your thoughts. Yeah, and that's... That is exactly where I come down, where I've had people ask me about California sober and it's like, Hey, if it's not overtaking your life, like alcohol was, or, you know, whatever substance you were using before go for it. Right. Like that is, a, that's up to you. And that's a decision that you have to make. Um, but one thing that we don't look at that I fell into is when you identify with just one identity and that's your main focus. Like, let's say it's sobriety. Let's say it's uh, what you do for a living. Let's say it's, you know, drinking. Let's say whatever it is. That is as unhealthy as your addiction. And the reason that I say that, and I, like I said, I fell into this. I gave up alcohol. So I had this hole that I was trying to fill. And I tried to fill it with alcohol because it shut my brain off. People enjoyed me when I was drinking, like when I was drunk, I was the fun one. And I went into my job and I worked a lot and I worked hard and I was very proud of that, but I didn't know who I was outside of that. And then I got married and I put that into being a good husband. And then I became a father and I was just about to put my kids in that hole that was still there from when I was drinking. And I was trying to fill it with all these things and nothing was filling it. And right before I grabbed my kids and put them in there, I discovered how much I hated myself. And in that moment, I realized that I was defining myself by these one external um, things, right? What I did for a living, who like a, a husband, a dad, I couldn't tell you who RJ was. And I've really taken that back. So if you, even in sobriety, if you just identify as sober so much, what happens when you can't take it anymore and you need to numb? What happens if you have to take painkillers because you break your leg and without the painkillers, you can't even function, right? What happens when that's thrown into disarray? How are you going to be able to come back from that? What happens if you lose your job through no fault of your own, but you lose your job? You know, what happens What happens when you, if you get divorced, if your mm -hmm. wife comes to you and wants to, 
I didn't think that I would be able to still be sober and lose my wife, but I am because I realized how much I was putting into that one thing. So if you take any of those uh, that we were talking about and you start to identify with it and it's a majority of your identity, not how other people see you, but yourself, how you see you, that's when it becomes, okay, I need to take a step back and evaluate with what I'm doing right now because this isn't healthy. And if it's not healthy, it's going to come back and bite you. Wow. That's a really great point. And there's uh, a saying, I guess, in the business world um, that says become indispensable. You know, if you are the absolute best researcher or salesperson or manager or shoe salesman, whatever it is in the company, but that's all you do, you can still probably be replaced. Become indispensable by offering so much that they cannot get rid of you. And I love the way you put it, you know, when you're focusing your whole identity on one thing and that one thing fails you, then what do you do? You can't fall back on something else or look at the other pieces of you and say, I'm still a good person. That's, that's a really great point. Um, RJ Zimmerman of the Untapped Keg podcast. Man, I appreciate you being here. I don't want to let you go. I always like to open it up completely if there's anything we haven't addressed. Um, if there's something that you came with that we didn't get to mention, I feel free. I do want to tell people that you're at untappedkeg.com is where the podcast is. And there's a lot of resources there in addition to the episodes, videos, and you've got a store and a support thing, which is completely, uh, com I would encourage people to support you and your endeavors. But if there, if there's anything we haven't addressed, anything you want to mention before we go? Yeah. So, um, the website's in the process of being revamped and in a couple of weeks, it's going to be actually revolving around an alcohol free coaching business. Oh, so cool. if people are interested in, you know, exploring your relationship with alcohol, trying to make it healthier, whether that is trying to figure out how to not go out and black out, or it's giving up alcohol completely and trying to find how, uh, what you can do to have fun. Um, the goal is your own and I'm going to help you get to that goal. So, uh, if you go to untappedkeg.com, um, I will say it, by April 29th, you will find uh, the website around being an alcohol-free life coach. And then if you go to freelifellc.com, you can find the events that we're doing in the Hampton Roads area. We're hopefully going to be expanding to other areas as well. Um, and we will be actually offering a platform there too of peer accountability. So you can text somebody and when, you know, hopefully having it so that it's a, a quick turnaround. But if you need somebody to, that you just want to vent to, that you want to talk to uh, while you're trying to get either stay sober, get sober, whatever it is, um, somebody can be there to help you. So those are, uh, those are a couple endeavors that are going on right now. So wow. I appreciate you opening that up. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the coaching through your relationship with alcohol, and it doesn't have to necessarily mean complete elimination if you can find a healthy balance. That's really cool. Uh, okay, untappedkeg.com. Uh, at the end of the month, a brand new offering. You have to come back and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. So I appreciate it. Man, you're a fascinating, thoughtful guy. I appreciate it. I appreciate your journey. I always like to say thank you for time, attention, your tent, your time, your attention, and your intention. 
And all of those I know are very, very valuable to you and to me coming from you. So thanks, RJ. I appreciate you uh, finding some time today for the Good Eye Podcast. It was great being here. Thank you. Thanks once again to RJ for his time, attention, and intention. Not a whole lot more to be said. Hit me up, jay at jsmack.com. Please subscribe, share, whatever you can to spread the word. Talk to you next time on another Good Eye Podcast.